Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, I am the king, 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 king. I am the king, 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 king. I am the king, 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 king. Today on episode 11, Kings of the Village, hear what Beyonce is saying to the graduates of 2020, and despite all that they've been through, she has an encouraging message for them. Also, Find out what Muhammad Ali had to say some 30, 40 years ago about all of this that is relevant for today. And a prayer from Kurt Franklin that I think you all must hear. And plus, we're going to talk more about the knee on the neck of America as we continue our series on the war on black America. Plus, what a protester had to say about burning down the world. It'll make sense in a moment. This is Kings of the Village, episode 11. I am the king, you will not be. I, 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 I am the, I am the, I am the king, the king, king, you will not, Welcome to episode 11 of Kings of the Village. I'm Stefan. I am solo once again today. Still lots to talk about. Still a lot to be angry about. And yeah, I'm still outraged. I want the knee off my neck. We've seen enough video. We've heard enough that should have the world and your conscience shaken. And today, I hope you are as fired up as I am. I hope you are as inspired as I have been to see our young people, our old people, our people of color, our white people, our aging, our nurses and doctors who are all standing with us. We're going into day 13, almost two weeks of shaking the world, two weeks of inconvenience the world. We've had hundreds of years of being inconvenienced, hundreds of years of being oppressed, and now it's time for us to shake this thing up. I hope you are joining in on the conversation. We are on all streaming platforms where you can be a part of the conversation. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and of course, we are on um, iHeartRadio. You can always email us at kingsofthevillage at yahoo radio. That's kingsofthevillage at yahoo. I'm sorry, not radio. Kingsofthevillage at yahoo.com. You can always be there. And you can always stay connected as we are giving you a ton of stories of what's happening in real world around these United States and all 50 states. Join in at Facebook, Instagram. We're on Tumblr. We're on all these platforms. So I hope you'll be a part of the movement and join in. Once again, I'm Stefan, but I do want to start off um, today um, with, you know, a prayer from Kurt Franklin. I think it's powerful. I think it's fitting. I think it's necessary. And I think that's what we need during this time. Now, we do know that prayers without work is dead. That's in the Bible. But I do want to encourage all of you that change is coming. I know we've heard that before, but I think we have all witnessed that there is a shift in America. But I think it is certainly fitting to start with a prayer. Uh, man, don't even know what to say to you sometimes in the midst of this because I don't always understand what your hand is doing. But I've come to understand that when I cannot trace your hand, that I can trust your heart. And that I can also believe 
that when the world is out of control, that does not mean that you are still not in control. And I do want to say to you, Father, if you've ever been trying to get our attention, you have our attention now. Whatever you want to say to us, Lord, we want to have hearts to hear. And I know that we come sometimes with our own biases, our own prejudices, our own ideals of who you are. But instead of us trying to make you out to be what we think you are, God, I'm asking you by faith, show us who you are. Show us your face. Let us see your hand. Reveal yourself to us in this pandemic because we have two pandemics happening, three pandemics, financially, socially, politically, spiritually, more than one just pandemic. That we're asking you to be the sovereign God that you are and hear the hearts of your people. And Lord, I know right now it is so difficult to trust because we are so broken and fragile. So God, I'm asking you right now, have mercy. Have mercy on us. In your name, Christ, I pray. Amen. Kurt Franklin with a powerful prayer to all of us. And I think we could all use a little bit of that right now. Obviously, uh, what we're witnessing around the country is truly that. I think we're seeing a lot of unity. I think you're seeing a lot of people come together who otherwise have never partake in something like this. I think this is a exciting opportunity to wake up the world. I'm so tired of people saying they woke, they understand, they get it. I think people are finally getting it now. I, I don't know where you've been. I don't know how you've not gotten it before. <laughs> I don't, unless you've been under a rock or in your safe space in your house to say, um, I didn't know this was happening. I didn't know it was this bad out here. But where you been for all those, for all my white brothers and sisters and my people of, that are not black people? You always say, uh, one of my best friends are black. My cousin is black. So how you didn't know? Like, where you been all this time? Where have you been for us all the time? We've been fighting for this for 100 plus years. We've been needing this forever. And by now, we know that this country was designed for white people, built by black people. You guys have known that we've been oppressed forever. This is not something new to you. You knew that we couldn't get the same jobs that you could get. You knew that despite our credit score being the same as yours, we couldn't live in the same neighborhood to drive the same cars unless we have a substantial down payment or have proven ourselves over and over again. We have to be eight times better just to play on the same play, playing field, to be at the same park, to be in the same chapter as you in life. You know that. So where have you been? I'll say this to you. I'm glad that you have been shaken to your core this month. I'm glad that you finally got to see it for yourself, to finally understand what it really looks like by that eight minutes and 46 second video that you finally got to see what has been happening for decades in America. I'm glad you got to see it. I'm so glad that this injustice has now spilled over into Main Street so that you can feel the pain of the oppression that have we have that we have endured for a lifetime. I'm glad that you see that we have been pushed to the side, pushed down, stepped on for a hundred of years. I'm glad that you are finally seeing that. And I'm glad that you are joining with us. I'm glad that you are being a part of the conversation. And I, I just want you to acknowledge that this is very real. And I think many people like singers, like, you know, pink has come out and protested against it. Miley Cyrus and, and, and many, many others. But where have you been before? That, that's that's my only problem. It's like the NFL now wants to jump on the bandwagon and saying, oh, OK, we get it now. But 70 percent of your players are African-American. There would be no NFL without people of color. What do you mean? You were so mad about the protesting of the American. And it wasn't a protest. It was just they were kneeling for it. For peace. It wasn't like they were rioting against it or disrespecting the flag. You you condemned it. The NFL condemned it at first. And now you want to say, okay, I, I get it. Y'all knew this all along. This ain't nothing new for anybody 
in this world. You know what it is? People have ignored it and they've ignored it for far too long, even though they sit in their house and drink tea and seen it happening firsthand every single day. This is far beyond black and blue, meaning the police departments around the country. This is about your own comfort comfortability in your own homes and allow it to happen in your workplace in your grocery stores, in your neighborhoods, your pet stores, and everywhere else. You've guys seen this already, but you were so okay with it and comfortable with it, but now you can't ignore it any further. You know why you can't ignore it? Because now it is affecting you. It is affecting your business. It has interrupted your lifestyle now. And now you're fearful that things will get in your way of it. You're fearful that you have to be, you have to take accountability for it. I want to play this from a protester who sums it up because I think it's so relevant. It's so raw. It is so real. It's entitled. You are lucky. We are fighting for equality and not for revenge. Why do you burn down the community? Why do you burn down your own neighborhood? It's not ours. We don't own anything. We don't own anything. There is, Trevor Noah said it so beautifully last night. There's a social contract that we all have that if you steal or if I steal, then the person who is the authority comes in and they fix the situation. But the person who fixes the situation is killing us. So the social contract is broken. And if the social contract is broken, why the fuck do I give a shit about burning the fucking football hall of fame, about burning a fucking target? You broke the contract when you killed us in the streets and didn't give a fuck. You broke the contract when for 400 years we played your game and built your wealth. You broke the contract when we built our wealth again on our own by our bootstraps in Tulsa and you dropped bombs on us. When we built it in Rosewood and you came in and you slaughtered us. You broke the contract, so fuck your target. Fuck your Hall of Fame. I'm concerned they could burn this bitch to the ground and it still wouldn't be enough and they are lucky that what black people are looking for is equality and not revenge I hope y'all understood that in response to the Nashville uh, historical thing being burnt down in response to all the targets Walmart auto zones and other places being burnt to the ground that is not the message if you are still speaking about something being burnt up torn up windows broken out spray paint everywhere your business inconvenience then you are missing the mark you don't understand what we are fighting for and the fact that we have to fight for equality is ridiculous it is nonsense and i don't care what year it is i'm tired of 2020 we're still if it was 1981 we shouldn't have to fight for equality and equal rights and partnerships at the table. I am sick of hearing people say, I hear you and I see you. You should be seeing us. You should have been hearing us and listening to us eons ago. That is not enough. We want more. That's what these marches in the streets for, for the past two weeks have been about. We want more. We require, and now we demand and pardon the interruption on your life. We've had an interruption on our life for a lifetime. We have had a knee in our neck for an entire generation. And yet we have went to colleges. We still go to work every day and we still have the best attitude we could possibly have, even though we know we're being treated like trash. There is nobody who likes the black person, but they like the black culture. They want the black music. They want to date the black men. But they don't want to date, and I'm sorry, they don't want to deal with the black experience and the black oppression. We want to sweep that under the rug now. Nobody wants to have a conversation about that. We have to deal with all of this to be heard. How many more people need to die in the streets? How many more people need to be passed up? 
How many more people need to be homeless for you to understand it? How many more people do need to be jobless for you to understand it? We have a president spewing hate, talking about, oh, George Floyd looking down, should be happy looking down on the a new unemployment rate. It has improved. Yeah, 1% for African-Americans is how it has improved. Who could be proud of that? There are millions of African-Americans still out of work and has been out of work before this. Before COVID-19, we were still living in the worst neighborhoods, working the worst jobs, the service jobs. Yeah, y'all understand that. The average white family gets about $170,000 a year, while blacks are making about $17,000 a year per family. Chew on that for a little bit. Try to understand that for a little bit. We have been promised so much over and over and over and over again. We try to get together to get loans so we can get our own business, so we can get our own to own our own two feet. But we have been beaten down for so long and everybody expects so much. We've been playing catch up forever. And we're not even on the same playing field. We're still in the locker room while the game is going on. Listen to what Muhammad Ali had to say. The white man 50 years ago told my granddaddy that when my daddy got free, things would be better. When he got grown, now my daddy's grown. Somebody told my daddy that when I got grown, things would be better. Now I'm grown. Now I have the white boy today telling me that when my children get grown, things will be better. So they'll see that this is just the old trick. And black people, you notice, didn't vote for no president's holly this year. Because every four years, it's a new trick, a new phony, fake image. And they have given up today. They want to do it themselves. They want to go for self. They want to pool together and unite like the Jews did. At one time, Jews and dogs wasn't allowed on Miami Beach. And the Jews got mad and united and bought Miami Beach. And that's what has to happen. We have to buy our own Miami Beach. We have to. We, we just, we've been attempting to do it and we're going to do it. Because we can't wait on Superman to save us. Superman does not exist. We're going to get it for ourselves and we're going to push everybody out of our way. Just like everybody has stolen everything from us years ago, it's time for us to take it back. We're going to revolt and you better get out of our way. We've been warning you guys about this for a lifetime. Well, now it's happening. We have the right generation. We have the right generation right now for what is happening to us right now. I am so inspired by the generation we have. I call them the YouTube generation, the text generation. These are the people who, as Trump would say, have nothing to lose. And that's what you better be scared about. They are not our grandparents. They are not the ones who are going to just walk quietly forever and hope that something gets done. We're not going to be on our knees with our hands up forever. You're not going to kill us that way. If you want to kill us and fight us, you're going to fight us on our own two feet. We're done begging for equal rights. So if we have to inconvenience you another 30 days, another 60 days, or another year, then we will do so. Because imagine, just imagine for a moment, if the blacks, all the blacks got together and stopped spending. If we stopped going to Target and Walmart and Macy's. If we stopped shopping online. Imagine what that would feel like. The billions of dollars that would be removed from society. If you think about the numbers, the numbers of what we make up, it's dangerous. If we get together like we're doing right now, we could do some true damage to the economy. And that's when people start paying attention. And if that's what we have to do to get to what we need, then that's what we'll do. There is a poem that I want you to listen to about the black experience, about what black people have to go through on a daily. I've been thinking a lot about this lately, this idea of humanity and specifically who in this world is afforded the privilege of being perceived as fully human. Over the course of the past several months, the world has watched as unarmed black men and women have had their lives taken at the hands of police and vigilante. These events and all that has transpired after them have brought me back to my own childhood and the decisions that my parents made about raising a black boy in America that growing up I didn't always understand in the way that I do now. 
I think of how hard it must have been, how profoundly unfair it must have felt for them to feel like they had to strip away parts of my childhood just so that I could come home at night. For example, I think of how one night when I was around 12 years old on an overnight field trip to another city, my friends and I bought super soakers and turned the hotel parking lot into our own water-filled battle zone. We hid behind cars running through the darkness that lay between the streetlights. Boundless laughter ubiquitous across the pavement. But within 10 minutes, my father came outside, grabbed me by my forearm, and led me into our room with an unfamiliar grip. Before I could say anything, tell him how foolish he had made me look in front of my friends, he derided me for being so naive. Looked me in the eye, fear consuming his face, and said, son, I'm sorry, but you can't act the same as your white friends. You can't pretend to shoot guns. You can't run around in the dark. You can't hide behind anything other than your own teeth. I know now how scared he must have been. How easily I could have fallen into the empty of the night. That some man would mistake this water for a good reason to wash all of this away. These are the sorts of messages I've been inundated with my entire life. Always keep your hands where they can see them. Don't move too quickly. Take off your hood when the sun goes down. My parents raised me and my siblings in an armor of advice, an ocean of alarm bells so someone wouldn't steal the breath from our lungs so that they wouldn't make a memory of this skin so that we could be kids, not casket or concrete. And it's not because they thought it would make us better than anyone else. It's simply because they wanted to keep us alive. All of my black friends were raised with the same message. The talk given to us when we became old enough to be mistaken for a nail ready to be hammered to the ground when people made our melanin synonymous with something to be feared. But what does it do to a child to grow up knowing that you cannot simply be a child? That the whims of adolescence are too dangerous for your breath? That you cannot simply be curious? That you are not afforded the luxury of making a mistake? That someone's implicit bias might be the reason you don't wake up in the morning? But this cannot be what defines us. Because we had parents who raised us to understand that our bodies weren't meant for the backside of a bullet, but for flying kites and jumping rope and laughing until our stomachs burst. We had teachers who taught us how to raise our hands and class and not just to signal surrender. And that the only thing we should give up is the idea that we aren't worthy of this world. So when we say that black lives matter, it's not because others don't. It's simply because we must affirm that we are worthy of existing without fear. When so many things tell us we are not. I want to live in a world where my son will not be presumed guilty the moment he is born, where a toy in his hand isn't mistaken for anything other than a toy. And I refuse to accept that we can't build this world into something new, some place where a child's name doesn't have to be written on a t-shirt or a tombstone, where the value of someone's life isn't determined by anything other than the fact that they had lungs, a place where every single one of us can breathe. Another powerful message about being able to just be a kid in America playing in the streets with a super soaker that could be possibly mistaken for a gun. Just about the black experience, period, which you have to deal with when you get up in the morning. As I've said on other episodes, you have to think about whether you're going to put on a gold chain or a hoodie just to go out to the mall and how you will be perceived, how you will be looked at. What will people think of you? Did you know that in 2010, black America made up about 13% of the population, but had only 2.7% of the country's wealth? We talked about the meridian income for white families being about 170000 today and about 17000 for black families. And that if you think about, let's just break down one group of people. Let's talk about white women. White women is measured by their wealth at about $41,000, while Hispanic women are worth about $140 and black women about $120. You do the math on that. If you think about the dollar of what black women versus white women versus Hispanics make on the hour per dollar, it's about 80 cents for white women, 30 cents for black women and Less than that, probably half of that for Hispanic women. If you're talking about employment, did you know that no matter what else is going on in America year in and year out for the last 60 years, black employment is always about twice as high as unemployment for whites. 
And even if you just look at black college graduates, there is still almost twice as likely to be unemployed as their white counterparts. And if that is just to and even to apply for a job. Now, get this. If you have a black sounding name versus a white sounding name, you are 50 percent likely to get a call back. And then if you think about housing discrimination. Black people in almost every aspect of life, because of where they live, they're not as safe as white people. They don't have access to good foods. They live in food deserts, which means most times they just have a gas station where they can get candy bars and snacks and beer or some type of liquor or inset or fake jewelry. And it even affects the quality of health care they get, the quality to access to transportation to even get to a job. More importantly, the bad neighborhoods, you don't get the best of school. So it affects the education level. So we are always 25 blocks behind you. So while you're on the football field, we are still in the locker room trying to figure it out. But yet they tell us to be a man and pull yourself by by your own bootstraps. Tie up your own shoes. Well, we don't even have any boots because those have been taken from us as well. We have nothing to even compete in the world. We go to college like we're told to do. We do everything right. We put on our little suit and tie that we can barely afford to go to jobs where they don't like us. So there's no advancement level, no matter what kind of degree you have. If you can even get access to a good college, if you could afford to go to that college without getting out of it for having a million dollars in debt. And you tell us to be productive citizens, to follow the law. The law that doesn't even protect us. The law that doesn't even care about us. People who don't even care about us. There is a war on black America. There is a war on black gay America. If you are black, there is a war against you. It doesn't matter what level you're at. It doesn't matter who you are. Even like Oprah Winfrey said, even Stedman Graham has been profiled. Oprah attempted to buy a bag and somebody didn't think they could she could afford it. She talked about it on her show a few years back about that. Even Oprah Winfrey still has to deal with this. Billionaire. She is known worldwide, owns a network, owns schools. But she, no matter what she does or who she is or how much wealth she gains, she is still a person of color and they will not let you forget it. But then they wonder why things are happening. I don't know why people are so angry, why people are so fired up. When you have a knee in your neck for a lifetime, you just want to breathe. You just want to catch a break. I'm telling you, we have to work twice as hard with double the amount of education to our counterparts. You can work by somebody That is not a person of color with a high school diploma. You can have a master's degree and you will both still be cashiers. In fact, she may be your boss. My sister has dealt with this time and time again. My own sister, who has a master's degree, could not find a job for two years after graduating. She had to work in a meat deli at a counter serving meats and cheese and bread. And everybody around her had little to no education. Maybe a high school diploma at best. Here she was doing what everybody said she's supposed to do. And yet she cannot find a job as an African-American woman with a master's degree. And you wonder why we are so upset and fed up about this. And if you are not outraged, then you are not human. If you are not upset, you are not human. If you are waking up every day and doing business as usual, moving forward after today, after what you've seen happen to George Floyd and a host of many others, you are not human. You don't belong on this planet with us. You guys really should have been fired up years ago with Trayvon Martin. Eric Garner. This is nothing new. Hell, let's go all the way back to Emmett Till. And if you don't know who that is, go look it up online on how they did that poor kid. He couldn't even have a proper funeral because he was destroyed so badly, dismembered so badly for what 
was accused of whistling at a white girl. Yeah, go look it up, Emmett Till. Let's go back that far. You could go back even further. But just look at the, some of the things they've done to us, and you wonder why, like you heard in the statement earlier from the protester, that we're not looking for revenge and we only want equality. You are lucky that somebody is not after you right now because of how we've been treated. And we still sit at these tables with you guys, and we still talk about how great life is, and we still are obedient and in compliant and we haven't lost our mind yet. But yeah, we're a little fired up. We are certainly a little, no, we're a lot fired up. And we're going to do something about it. And something is being done about it. I am so glad to see our mayors involved. I'm so glad that, you know, that the mayor of D.C., you know, painted the, the mirror Black Lives Matter on the streets for the march. I'm so glad that the mayor in Minneapolis was brought to tears because he needed to feel that and the world needed to see that. And the one thing that you, you should see the shift that is changing is the, the police are thugs. They don't care when they attack a 75 year old man, knock him into the ground and you can hear his skull crack blood coming out of his ears. Now it's an attack on everybody. You know why it's an attack on everybody? Because there are white people who are deciding to stand with us. There are white people who are deciding to stand with us. And so people feel threatened by that. Now, we always make the point that not all cops are bad. Not all white people are prejudiced. But if you are a white person and you are a cop and you are not saying anything, then you're making this okay. You are a part of the problem. We've said it over and over, and I know you heard about it, so I don't need to go into it hot and heavy. But if you're not saying anything, you are part of the problem. Don't tell me you hear me and see me and you're not doing nothing about it. Don't be around racism, prejudice, injustice, inequality, and not saying or doing anything about it. There are so many corporations sending these beautiful commercials out. We stand with you sending these beautiful emails out for many businesses. I've gotten so many of them from Amazon to Burlington Coat Factory to grocery stores across the country. That means nothing to me if you're not going to do anything about it. You know what needs to be done? Cut a check. Cut a check. Put some money into these impoverished neighborhoods. Build centers where people have something to do. Job resource centers. Clothing for people who need to go to interviews and have nothing to wear. Resource centers for kids who get out of school and have nowhere to go but to sit on a stoop, stoop a step after school and have nothing to do. Food pantries, free food pantries. Many of these kids only get a meal when they go to school. How the hell are you going to tell me to think about algebra and my stomach is growling? What about a domestic violence center? How can I think about algebra and English and a pronoun if I seen my mother get beat last night or if she's cracked out because of all the drugs that are pushed into these bad neighborhoods? Don't tell me to worry about a math problem when I have no food to eat when I get out of school. So you cut a check. You do that for me. I don't want another damn email, another broken promise. Another, I stand with you, my brother and sister, without action. That is not acceptable. But there's good news. Help is on the way. And I believe that. I do believe that this time. But what we cannot do is let this moment die down. I don't care how hot it is, how much rain coming down. We have to stay in these streets. We have to inconvenience we have to inconvenience stores. We have to inconvenience businesses. And like she said, burn it down. We don't own it anyway. Now, do I condone violence against another person? Absolutely not. Do I condone somebody going out, breaking out windows? Nope, I didn't say that either. But I understand. I get it. People are fired up. People are angry. And I love that these kids are getting it. And they're not, they're not messing around. They're not waiting a lifetime to do something about it. So call this generation what you may. 
Call people under 40 years old, which you may. But the one thing is, they're not messing around with this. They want justice for all of us. And I'm excited about what is happening. I will leave you on some good notes about uh, some good news of what Beyonce said and how she is encouraging the, the class of 2020 as part of Michelle and Barack Obama's former president and first lady's initiative to congratulate uh, the class of 2020 and a message to which, what is called Dear Class of 2020. A racial pandemic and worldwide expression of outrage at the senseless killing of yet another unarmed black human being. And you still made it. We're so proud of you. Thank you for using your collective voice and letting the world know that black lives matter. The killings of George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, and so many others have left us all broken. It has left the entire country searching for answers. We've seen that our collective hearts, when put to positive action, could start the wheels of change. Real change has started with you, this new generation of high school and college graduates who we celebrate today. I did not get to experience college like some of you or the campus parties that left you struggling the next day in class, although that could have been fun. But my parents did teach me the value of education, how to be authentic in my actions, and how to celebrate individuality and the importance of investing in myself. Dear graduates, please remember to take a little bit of time to give thanks to your family members and the community who's been such a big support system for you. You are achieving things your parents and grandparents never could imagine for themselves. You are the answer to a generation of prayers. Now, some of you might be the first in your family to graduate from college. Maybe you did not follow the path that was expected of you, and you probably questioned everything about your decision. But know that stepping out is the best thing you can do for self-discovery. I know how hard it is to step out and bet on yourself. There was a pivotal turning point in my life when I chose to build my own company many years ago. I had to trust that I was ready and that my parents and mentors provided me with the tools I needed to be successful. But that was terrifying. The entertainment business is still very sexist. It's still very male dominated. And as a woman, I did not see enough female role models given the opportunity to do what I knew I had to do, to run my label and management company, to direct my films and produce my tours. That meant ownership, owning my masters, owning my art, owning my future, and writing my own story. Not enough black women had a seat at the table, so I had to go and chop down that wood and build my own table. Then I had to invite the best there was to have a seat. That meant hiring women, men, outsiders, underdogs, people that were overlooked and waiting to be seen. Many of the best creatives and business people who although supremely qualified and talented were turned down over and over as executives at major corporations because they were female or because of racial disparity. And I've been very proud to provide them with a place at my table. One of the main purposes of my art for many years has been dedicated to showing the beauty of Black people to the world, our history, our profundity, and the value of Black lives. I've tried my best to pull down the veil of appeasement to those who may feel uncomfortable with our excellence. To the young women, our future leaders, know that you're about to make the world turn. I see you. You are everything the world needs. Make those power moves. Be excellent. And to the young kings, lean into your vulnerability and redefine masculinity. Lead with heart. There's so many different ways to be brilliant. I believe you and every human being is born with a masterful gift. Don't make the world make you feel that you have to look a certain way to be brilliant. And no, you don't have to speak a certain way to be brilliant but you do have to spread your gift around the planet in a way that is authentically you. To all those who feel different, if you're a part of a group that's called Other, a group that does not get the chance to be center stage, build your own stage and make them see you. Your queerness 
is beautiful. Your blackness is beautiful. Your compassion, your understanding, your fight for people who may be different from you is beautiful. I hope you continue to go into the world and show them that you will never stop being yourself, that it's your time now. Make them see you. Now, if you've ever been called dumb, unattractive, overweight, unworthy, untalented, well, so have I. Whatever you do, don't let negativity of people projecting their own self-doubts on you deter you from your focus. I know those moments are painful and you're human and it hurts like hell, but now is the time to turn those criticisms into fuel and motivation to become a beautiful beast. Respect is everything. There's no successful relationship without respect, nor a successful movement if the basic principle is not respect. The world will respect you as much as you respect yourself. I'm often asked, what's your secret to success? The shorter answer, put in that work. There may be more failures than victories. Yes, I've been blessed to have 24 grades, I've lost 46 times. That meant rejection 46 times. Please don't ever feel entitled to win. Just keep working harder. Surrender to the cards you are dealt. It's from that surrender that you get your power. Losing can be the best motivator to get you even bigger wins. So never compare yourself to anyone else. There will be wins and losses. There will be tears and laughter. You'll feel the shades of life deeply. Now with success comes challenges. With your wins, you may start to notice people spending a lot of energy trying to tear you down. Try not to take it personally. Unfortunately, it's something that comes along with success. Whenever you feel like you're not in control or the world is against you, let that vulnerability motivate you into greatness. That's how I found my true self. I remain a work in progress, and that's the beauty of growth. I've been happiest when I let go and allow life to show me the next move. When you bet on yourself, you're making an investment into your own future. When you choose to spend your valuable time thinking, speaking, typing, negative thoughts, you're investing in something that will give you absolutely no return in your investment. Class of 2020, every thought in your mind is powerful. Every word you speak is powerful. Every action you take has consequences for yourself and your community. Look what you've been able to do in the last 14 days. We've seen the power of the collective. We've seen what happens when we join for the same cause. Please continue to be the voice for the voiceless. Never forget, we can disagree in a way that is productive to arrive at decisions that foster real change. And if you make a mistake, that's okay too. But we all have a responsibility to hold ourselves accountable and change. Whatever the world looks like in 10 years and 20 years, part of that is up to you. I urge you to let this current moment push you to improve yourself in all areas of your life, at work, at home, activism, spirituality, wherever you can find hope, follow it. And remember, you are never alone. Lean on that strength of togetherness. Keep the collective strong. Stay focused. Don't talk about what you're going to do. Don't just dream about what you're going to do. Don't criticize somebody else for what they're not doing. You be it. Be about it. Be about that action and go do it. Keep your eye on your intention. Don't let any outside distraction or your own insecurity stop you from your goals. Embrace that struggle. Surviving that struggle will strengthen you. This is a crucial time in our history and in your life. The earth is ripping that band-aid off so we can really see our wounds, so we can acknowledge and nurture them. That's when true healing begins. You can be that leader we all need. You can lead the movement that celebrates humanity. My prayer for you is that you invest in yourself and see the value of giving back and building your community the best way you can. I pray that you continue to celebrate and value lives that appear different than your own. I know you are ready to start one of the most important journeys of your life. You are at the brink of a huge world shift. Wow. Beyonce knows 
R&B superstar global sensation with her message, Dear Class 2020, that you can do anything, be anything, say anything, and go out and get anything. I encourage you to go on to YouTube original specials. You can check out the entire video, which I played uh, 90% of it for you. But if you do want to go see the rest of the series from former president and first lady Barack and Michelle Obama, you can check it out there on YouTube. Dear class 2020, all the stuff that they've been through, all the things that they're continuing to endure. She encourages all of you and the class to go out and get it. We got to stop talking about it. We got to do it. And that's why these protests, marches in the street are imperative at a time like this. And I just want to continue to encourage my brothers and sisters that anything is possible if we continue to unify and stick together with these types of movements. It's been done. It's been proven time and time again. We didn't always get to sit next to white people at the lunch table. We didn't always get to use the same water fountain. We didn't always get to go to the same places to shop, but they marched for that. We didn't always get to go to the same high schools and, and colleges, but they marched for that. We didn't always get to live in the nicer neighborhoods, but they might march for that as well. So like the, the rioter said, like the protester said, you are lucky that we are looking for equal rights and not revenge. And that's all we've ever wanted were the same rights that you had. We have given our entire life trying to play catch up. We have never been given a fair shot in this game. We have always been put on the bench, always been kept in the locker room and never got put in the game. And for them to enslave us like they did, and continue beating and killing us in the 21st century, it's time for us to stand up or yet there will be no peace for anybody. No one should rest until we get what is ours. No one should rest until we get the proper positions in the workplace and no one should rest until we can have a seat at the boardroom table. We are still an oppressed people. We still have the knee in our neck for far too long. We don't get the proper roles in Hollywood still. We barely get an Oscar for any role. We're not accepted almost in any other capacity other in service communities. And that means we're serving something to you from McDonald's, meaning we're cleaning your floors in the mall or we washing your cars. You will give us those service jobs, maid jobs, cleaning houses, CNA works. We will get those, but we're not going to be the director of the hospital. We're not getting those roles. Every single school that I've been through to and the people I know that have been through, we are pretty much the only people in those classrooms. My entire high school experience, it was only myself and maybe one other person in the classroom that looked like me. I was fortunate to be bussed into a school where I got those opportunities, but nobody looked at me. Nobody. I could relate to anybody. It is time for us to take our place in the world. And if you won't give it to us, we're not going to wait on it anymore. We have been compliant for far too long and you've still can, you treated us like dogs. There are dogs in Petco that are treated than people of color. Every single school in the eighties and nineties, because I graduated from high school in 95. Before I was bussed in, we had used books, no computers, tables that were about to fall apart, desks that were about to fall apart, libraries with no books in them sometimes, schools with no AC, expired meals sometimes given milk that was sometimes lukewarm because we didn't have the proper refrigeration. These are just some of the things that we deal with. It's, it's far beyond a police problem. And that's a major problem. But we have an inequality problem, a systematic problem. 
systemic racism a problem. And it is time for us to take our place in the world. And again, let me remind you, we are not going to wait for it. We're going to take it because we built the damn country. And it was designed for you, but we built it. So we know how it's supposed to work. We know how it's supposed to operate and we're going to go get it. So you might as well join with us now and be a part of it. Or we're going to move you out of the way. And you can take it how you want to take it. But by any means necessary, we will move your behind out of the way. We are done getting on our knees begging and pleading for equal opportunities and to be treated fairly. We shouldn't have to get in our cars or on our bikes or on the subway system and fear for our life every time we go out of our houses. We shouldn't be worrying about if we apply for something or we're going to get it. Whether that's a job, a credit card or an apartment or a car. It is time and it's going to happen. And that is my time for today. Thank you so much for listening in. Thank you so much for everything that you guys have been doing in the world and staying fired up. Be sure to check out episode 12 where we'll be kicking off our gay pride series. We'll be talking about a lot of stuff. I'm telling you, it's a lot of stuff going on because it's pride month in America and we have not forgotten about our black GLBTQ community because I'm a part of that community and we're going to celebrate it. We're in a series of episodes on the Kings of the Village. Want you to be a part of the conversation anytime you feel like it. You can tune in on Spreaker.com. Look for the Kings of the Village or join in on the conversation at 816-266-9447. Or you can check us out on iHeartRadio, Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, and of course, Apple Podcasts. And you can always email comments, questions, or concerns, or anything business-related to kingsofthevillage at yahoo.com. I am Stefan. Join us again next time for episode 12 as we kick off our 2020 Pride in America, black, gay, and proud like you and me. Go out and make it a perfect day. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.